Hello and welcome to episode 79 of the Startcast, Press Start Australia's weekly video game discussion podcast. I'm your host, Ewan Roxburgh, and I'm joined today by my fellow gamer, Matthew Zamari. Oh, it's a cosy little chat tonight. It's a cosy little fireside chat with Uncle Ewan and Uncle Matthew. That sounds kind of creepy, but okay. <laughs> True. Come, come, um, sit on your, nice... come sit on your uncle's knee and I'll tell you a story. Tell me what you want for Christmas. We should do a Christmas special. I haven't actually considered that. Yeah. How do you do a Christmas special podcast? Um, that is something I'll need to think we about. Should, we should queue up a soundboard that has jingle bells every time someone says a specific word. Okay, that sounds like an absolute nightmare. Yeah. But I'm sure it would be entertaining nonetheless. <laughs> How's your uh, your throat feeling, Matt? Uh, I think when you, were, you were saying we both came down like this weird sort of storm-infused asthma. Yeah, so for, for all your listeners who uh, live in Melbourne, uh, there was a pretty crazy storm following a 38-degree day um, here, and uh, people came down with what is referred to as thunderstorm asthma, uh, which sounds like some kind of either Tom Clancy novel or... <laughs> You know, um, it sounds like something you could only get on Mars. Yeah, crazy disease. But basically, it involved um, the spread of like high concentrations of pollen being sucked up into the storm and and spread. You know, the the particles burst and uh, were inhaled yeah. by people across the state. So, even if you don't normally suffer from asthma, you might have been hit by it. So, uh, I had lots of trouble sleeping last night because uh, on account of not being able to breathe. Mm. So. Do you get do you get pretty bad hay fever? Like I do, and I kind of like as I my throat kind of closed up and became itchy. I just kind of chalked it up to that. But like it felt like it, it I, my breathing became wheezy. It was really uncomfortable. Well, see, here's the, here's the thing. This year, like everyone's been saying that their hay fever has been going crazy, and normally I'm a pretty bad hay fever sufferer, but I haven't been hit as hard as like everyone else. Um, mm. cause there, like, there might be a decline in, you know, like you go, you go a couple of years where there's a bit of decline in how hard it hits you and then it comes back. Yeah. Um, yeah. so this year, yeah, this year has been my kind of my lucky year. I've only hit, really had about four bad days over nearly right. two months, you know? So, um, oh, dude, it's grabbed me by the balls this year. I tell you what, like I, I've been taking Telfast every morning, right? Cause I, I feel worse when I, like the, as soon as I get up in the morning, um, you know, I let two cats, so there's always cat hair kicking around. Yeah. Uh, you've got cats too, right? Yeah, the um, cats don't affect so, me though. Oh, really? No. Oh, they definitely affect me. Yeah. Like the hair, like they don't affect me any other time of the year. It's not that I'm allergic. They just aggravate my hay fever. Um, and so, yeah, I just wake up in the morning. I'm like a spluttering, snotty mess. Uh, and I take my hay fever tablets and I clear up, but they've been wearing off at night. So by the time like, you know, four or five o'clock comes around, I'm starting to feel pretty sick again. Um, so yeah, I've been taking two Telfast a day at the moment, trying to get through it, which is not what they prescribe on the box. I tell you what, but yeah, yeah, like I've just had no other option. Otherwise I would not be able to podcast such a way now. Yeah. Yeah, But I've been trying to like shelter inside, playing some video games. Um, have you ever played Red Dead Redemption? Oh mate, mate, I was, I was all over that like ages ago. Um, yeah, I wasn't. I, I've only I've only beat it yesterday. You were like you were like seven when it came out, yeah. That's not true. <laughs> um, it I was youngish, but I wasn't seven. Yeah, I would no, have been. I, wait, I, when um, did it come out? Let's figure it out. Uh, two thousand and nine. Yeah, I want to say two thousand nine. Oh. I was I started high school in two thousand and nine. 
so I would have been 13. All right, well, I was close. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, you were still, um, like, tiny. But, um, no, I... I suppose. Yeah. Um, Red Dead Redemption. Poor, that's... Um, uh, did we did we Google to see when it came out? Let's quickly Google. I don't know. Uh, 2009 seems right to me. Uh, I was trying to do the math. Oh, 2010. All right, so it was a year off. There you go. Oh, okay. So year eight, Ewan. Um, um, anyway, yeah, no, yeah. I I um I got into that ages ago, and um, back then, you know, like it was it was I don't know it was a really big change. Um, it was kind of ahead of its time because um, you know, back then everything was you know zombies and racing games, so you know, kind of stuck out from the norm like it still had zombies in it um mm, and racing but um oh and like horse racing but yeah. not like vehicle racing so um no. for for rockstar to kind of go down the path of you know an open world western was kind of unheard of which you know it, it did some pretty cool things um mm. i remember you know getting into it and what was the name of the town ah uh, which one uh the one you like the one you start in uh, well, like, don't you, I think you were like arriving Blackwater, Blackwater by the train and then you water. go to like Hennigan's stead yeah. or, or Armadillo is like the way you go and see the marshal for the first time. Yeah. But, um, no, I remember the first time I, 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 you know, I stepped into that world. I was like, wow, this is, this is actually really cool. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. Like, um, I've obviously played a bit of the Grand Theft Auto franchise before, so it kind of like very felt very natural, I guess, in that set. Like the the controls kind of picked up the same. Um, I played it. I tried to play it like a number of years ago now, uh, and I got to Mexico, and I guess like it just kind of got you know, games came out. I switched games, and I just never got back around to it. Um, so for this playthrough, I started right back at the beginning. Uh, I picked it up on 360. I originally had it on PS3, so I could play it um, on my Xbox One. Um, and I had like a heap of fun. Like it's a, a really good game. I think it holds up quite well. Like I was thinking compared to Metal Gear Solid five, it's open world kind of feels like pretty populated. Um, I actually thought like Metal Gear was a pretty kind of bare bones open world and Red Dead kind of put it to shame a little bit. Um, I, people might disagree on that point, but that's how I felt. And, um, I, I just got really kind of enthralled with the characters. I thought the story was kind of, um, more or less a simple sort of revenge story but then like when you start considering the sort of like personal redemption obviously side to it and just sort of the character uh motives um it became a lot more interesting um i felt like it kind of slowed down at points and whatnot but all up i really enjoyed it and i like i start to gain like a better appreciation of you know why it was so heralded and it obviously made me super excited for the new one um but yeah that ending man oh I don't know if I want like, to go into spoilers look, because it's been it's been six years, but at the same time, I probably wouldn't spoil it because people yeah people will still get angry no matter what. Um, yeah, well, I'm kind of conscious like people are in a position similar to me, like the time it came out, they were wasn't ideal for them or whatever. They were they were twelve, and yeah. now they're uh, sixteen. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, like I was just I don't know. <laughs> I like it was really it was really impactful, um, and despite. Yeah, being six years old now, I think it holds up very, very well. Um, yeah. Especially considering we've had, you know, kind of really benchmark setting games like The Witcher and whatnot. But yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you had played Redemption because I wanted to kind of like share that excitement of having finally finished it with someone. No, I think it's um I think it's really funny. Um, I <laughs> uh, when when the when the sequel was announced, I was kind of in the process of about or. I was thinking about writing a, an article in regards to, you know, um, 
kind of, you know, why now and everything. Um, mm. And then I kind of didn't because I was also up to my neck in all my uni stuff. So, you know, it's been yeah. put aside. But I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Um, well, you know. I was kind of, I was playing it at the time, like, like Donald Trump was being elected president. Yeah. And it was kind of really interesting from that angle as well, because it kind of deals with very similar sort of themes that were discussed during the course of the election. But, you know, um, like sort of anti-establishment kind of themes and um, freedom from the government, I suppose, uh, nationalism, um, kind of like, yeah, like protectionist sort of stuff, like maintaining way of life and all that. So, like, it was kind of interesting. Like, I, I felt like some of the characters you, you kind of encountered in Red Dead may have been Trump supporters in that regard. Yeah. Um, even, like, John Marsden himself is kind of, like, controlled and manipulated by the government. And, you know, I think some of that sentiment was involved in the election as well. But, I don't know, it was it was quite quite interesting, I thought. Um, and I just love the kind of rock star uh, satire and criticism of, like, various parts of the culture. And despite being set almost or well over a hundred years ago now um it's still very very relevant to the present day um i appreciate that yeah a great deal uh yeah anyway um as i was saying <laughs> um because you kind of just skewed oh, off I'm way, sorry. way so far from where tangent. i was going yeah um <laughs> no i was i was saying that you know i was i was i was going to write a you know a, a feature why now in regards to like you know the world of gaming and everything um and just how uh, you know, the landscape changed. Like, as I was saying before, you know, like zombies was a pretty big, you know, heavy thing. And like, I think the idea of zombies is slowly, uh, you know, dying as a pop culture element uh, within mm. society, you know, like more and more things are doing zombies. And it's like, uh, I think everyone's a little overloaded with the whole zombie thing. You know, it's, it's starting to get really boring. Uh, at the same time, you've got an uprising in kind of, you know, Western related stuff. I mean, you had Tarantino's mm. hateful eight come out at the end of last mm. year. Um, you know, Westworld is big on HBO, you know, um, mm. I love Django Unchained as well. That yeah. Have been a little earlier. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it, I think maybe it's time for the Western to start coming back rather yeah. than, you know, rather than zombies being the forefront, um, you know, Red Dead Redemption Two, Westworld and, you know, Tarantino seems to be on this big, western kick and even uh the remake of the magnificent seven wasn't too bad uh i personally didn't see it because i don't care for remakes these days but um yeah you know it seems to kind of be the thing that's coming back so hmm i will i would be i would be down for that yeah what what sort of angle do you think red dead 2 is gonna gonna take uh honestly i have no idea because, like, Red Dead Redemption is kind of set, like, at the very kind of tail end of the uh, the Wild West, you know, sort of industry is constantly alluded to, sort of moving in. You see the motor car kind of featured in it as well. But, I mean... So, could... I, I wondered if it was going to be, like, a prequel with, like, John Marsden sort of in his gang or whatever, because it kind of alludes to that backstory so, so much. But then, obviously, you've kind of got... I don't know. I'm starting to get in spoiler territory, I suppose, if I discuss it too there's, much more. There's, but... like... Well, you know, you could you could theoretically do the end, like the total end of the West, you know, with in with the industrial revolution and everything, and mm. you know the driving out of the you know sort of the outlaw Western style you know way of life. Um, mm. I mean, you know, maybe like, it's like a kind of pushback against it yeah, as well. And you know, yeah. you know that whatever Rockstar does, they're gonna do it well. So I mean, they're mm. gonna you know they're gonna be able to create a compelling story that's gonna make you root for the antihero, you know. 
or the the villain, even if he is a villain, you know, that's fighting back against the establishment. So, um, hmm. yeah. I am excited for that one, Matt. Heaps of discussion about Red Dead Redemption still to come. Uh, but on the show this week, we'll be discussing uh, some more about unsuccessful video game sequels. Hopefully Red Dead Redemption 2 is not one of them. Uh, and Game of the Year nominees. But first, let's chat a little bit more about the Nintendo Switch. Uh, because Todd Howard has given a recent interview with Glixel, uh, and when he was asked, what do you think of the Switch, Nintendo's newly announced console, that is portable but also hooks up to the TV, Todd said, I love it. I got to play it. I got to play it. I will tell you, well, maybe that's an NDA thing. One of the best emos I have ever seen. Probably the best emo I have ever seen at E3. That's some pretty uh, big, big, bold words um, by uh, Todd Howard there. Todd Howard, obviously the creator behind beloved franchises such as Elder Scrolls and Fallout. Um, what do you make of his comments there, Matt? Do you reckon the, he's maybe kind of like putting the uh, the ship before the horse or whatever that saying is? The cart before the horse? Cart before the horse, I've, thank I've you. I've never known horses I've literally like, just finished playing a Western game and I couldn't remember that saying. Yeah, was, That's so embarrassing. I was going to say, I've never <laughs> seen horses running across water, you know, like carting <laughs> ships across the water, so... Um, that'd, that'd be, uh, you know, that's, that's maybe that's what, you know, that'd Red, be something. maybe that's Red Dead 2. It's set in the future with like robotic horses and, and, you know, yeah. <laughs> I think our, um, our Christmas special of reindeers and sleighs yeah, are coming together. Yeah. Um, oh, maybe, maybe Santa is played by John Wayne. Um, <laughs> anyway, anyway, um, yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. I've been a little bit excited for the Switch for a little while now, um, you know, especially with like there was a rumor apparently that the there is a third Pokemon game in the current season series, uh, you know, Sun Moon, and apparently there's a third one in the works for the Switch, uh, which I totally, I'm pretty sure I called that on like one of the podcasts or in one of our discussions or something. Mm. Um, I totally call that they should be working on a Pokemon game for that that would sell like crazy. Um, but yeah. yeah, no, I I um. It, it slowly, like, things like this, they give me hope. I mean, like, you had uh, Ubisoft come out, and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, blah, 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 we'll support it, it looks really good and all that. And it's like, yeah, but you said that about the Wii U, and that kind of mm. just flopped and everything. And then again, you know, Nintendo and Ubisoft have had, like, you know, their hands in each other's pockets for ages, so you got to take everything they say with a grain of salt. Um, yeah, you know, and I think coming... it's also, like, one... Sorry, go on. Yeah, coming coming from someone from Bethesda, um, that's that's pretty big. I mean, I know they want Skyrim to run on it and stuff like that, and it's a big thing for Nintendo. But it's got like it's what a, a four four year old game now, a three four year old game now. It's like I'm kind of getting over the whole. Oh, let's bring Skyrim to this. Let's bring Skyrim to this. Let's be, you know. Um, but again, you know, like if if they're getting excited about what they're seeing, then it gives me hope. It gives me hope. So yeah, I I think I think that's ultimately like the the kind of takeaway from this. Like if they're excited about it, then that's reason to believe that they will kind of uh, dedicate some resources towards it. I suppose um, he was asked the question, "Can you really bring Skyrim with you on the go?" Uh, to which his response was, quote, it's the same game on the TV and on the other screen, end quote. And which to me, like, sounds like he's dodging the question. And I think that's kind of where it comes down to, especially for Bethesda um, and uh, and their, their game studios, um, they make really kind of um, 
techni- technically intense kind of games. Um, Skyrim, uh, Fallout 4, for instance, like they're very kind of deep, big kind of games and require some sort of like technical sort of uh, backing, I suppose. Um, so I think it's easy to be excited behind the concept of NX. Sorry, oh, what are we calling it now? Switch? Whoa. Um, <laughs> I uh, know, no, my amount of brain fart. There's been a couple of those already today. Yeah. Um, uh, behind the Switch, like, the concept is exciting. Like, it sounds really promising. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, is the power going to be enough where Skyrim on the screen at home really is the same Skyrim you play on the go? Uh, you know, what sort of concessions are they going to have to make to allow that to work? Uh, so, yeah, like, it's exciting. It's exciting that they're excited, but... I don't know if, like, in reality, in sort of, it's in practice, it's really kind of, kind of eventuate the way we dream it will. Um, do you kind of share my feeling in that? Like, do you kind of, kind of see where I'm coming from? Yeah, no, I, I totally, I totally get it. Like, you, you'd want the experience to be the same all around. You don't want to have to lessen your experience just because you're on the go. Um, mm. I think one of, the, one of the biggest issues that comes to mind with that is I don't want to be carrying like a backpack that's essentially a giant battery for my switch because those games yeah. are also like highly intensive on, on, you know, like the, the internals of the system you're going to yeah, want, absolutely. you know, um, you're going to want something that draws little power, uh, for maximum reward. And I don't know, like I maybe don't see that happening, uh, you know, sort of, you know, straight out of the box. Like, you know, everything they've seen, everything that, um, you know, anyone behind the scenes has probably seen has been, you know, directly plugged in and not kind of wireless, or if it's wireless, it's, you know, running something really light on. So it'd be really interesting to see if they have a balance between, you know, uh, you know, sort of strong graphics and everything, but also power saving at the same time. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. And my concern is like what effect this is going to have on the success of the switch as well. Um, you know, obviously that video we saw earlier this year, um, showing like first revealing the switch showed Skyrim like being run on the screen and then on the go. Um, but Bethesda are yet to announce that Skyrim for switch kind of even exists. Uh, and to me, like, that's greatly concerning. Like, if that doesn't eventuate, that's kind of a broken promise, I guess. Um, and that could form sort of neg- negative associations in regards to the, the Switch, which isn't isn't going to benefit it, especially kind of coming off the back of the Wii U and all the broken promises that occurred there as well. Well, you, um, never, you never know. I mean, like, you, it could... It could always be like they they never they haven't specifically sk- said it's directly coming to it like you know it was it was a screen from it but how do we know that it's the full game how do we not know it's a, like it's a specific spin off or like you know custom game related in that universe made by Bethesda you know purely for the Switch like we don't know yeah. these things yet so. Yeah, yeah, I think everyone everyone took it with a grain of salt, but within there, you know, there's always people, you know, getting ready to get offended regardless of what they see, so... Mm. And I'm glad you brought that up as well, because, like, I feel that the Switch is really going to benefit from those experiences that are, like, purpose-built for the console itself. Um, you know, if we look at Breath of the Wild, for instance... Um, it's clearly a game that has been developed like with the int- with with the switch in mind, uh, and I feel like that is really where the strong points of this console are going to be. It's not going to be from like porting across PlayStation and Xbox One games and putting them on there. Um, 
because you know chances are like people are going to be perfectly content with those experiences on the consoles they already own uh so yeah like i feel like both what Nintendo produce in how and sort of through third in house and through third party relationships are like really going to be what this strong kind of selling points of the console come down to. Um, yeah, I still I still hold out a great deal of hope with Switch. I'm just kind of like remaining skeptical. I don't want to put the cart before the horse. The ship. The ship before the, the ship. horse. The ship before the horse. <laughs> uh, well, if you're ready to move on. Let's discuss disappointing sequel sales. Sales for Watch Dogs 2 and Titanfall 2 have been rather lackluster, despite largely positive critical receptions. Uh, Matt, have you played either of those two mentioned games? No, I'm waiting for that sweet, sweet target sale to pick up Titanfall 2. Yeah, when when is that? Is that this Friday? Uh, yeah. End of this week? Yeah. It's, it's, like kind of, it's kind of like Black Friday Australia version, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's kind of what it is? No, I, I, haven't, I haven't played either of them... Uh, for, for for multiple reasons, um, the first reason is I'm only getting out, getting you know back into gaming after you know the big uni slump throughout the year. Um, yeah. The second reason Hate being, uh, I haven't played like I never played the first Titanfall because my PC wasn't up to spec and mm. uh, I didn't have an Xbox and I wasn't planning on buying one because I was pretty anti Xbox at the time. Why not PS3? Um, huh. Why not PS3? Because Titanfall, the one, the first Titanfall. Didn't oh, come sorry, out. I thought you, I thought you said Watch Dogs. No, I was saying Titanfall. All right, okay. Did I say what? I'm, I'm not, sorry. I'm pretty sure I said Titanfall. All right. Anyway, I'll take it back and I will find out. <laughs> I may have said Watch Dogs. If I said Watch Dogs, please feel free to <laughs> abuse me on Twitter, folks. Um, anyway, no, the, you know, Titanfall. Yeah, my PC wasn't up to spec, and I didn't have a you know didn't have a yeah. um, Xbox at the time, as I said. Uh, yeah. Watch Dogs. I got a free copy because this is when I was working for a big games oh. retailer. Um, oh, right. And uh, I played, I literally played it for two hours and got bored. Yeah. Um, and and that was the whole thing is like, you know, it, it was painted as this really cool game. You know, you could go around, you could hack, you could do this, you can do that. And in the first like two hours, the story just did not grab me. The driving mechanics were terrible. Um, you know, there was less hacking that I thought, like, I thought you could do so much more with the hacking, but, you know, it turns mm. out you couldn't. Um, and, and I just got, yeah, I just got bored. I literally, I think I played it for two hours and then it's never seen its way back into my console ever. Mm. Uh, which is yep. pretty bad for a game that was drummed up, for, you know, so much hype. And I think that's the whole thing is like, um, they they've kind of you know they they set their release dates for these you know these two games um and they kind of left them to die with titanfall especially you know considering that they want to like you you kind of assume that uh ea wants to buy is it respawn yeah yeah ea i i'm pretty sure ea wants to own respawn so what they've done is basically they've gone here's battlefield one's launch date here's your launch date for titanfall it's going to die, and you're going to go under, and we're going to buy you and own you and own the IP. <laughs> oh, fair play. I don't think it's quite that malicious. Um, well, I... that's well, that's the whole thing. Is like respawns. Respawns got a fair amount of money. So how do you bring a company's you know value down? Um, like it's a good it's a good game by all accounts. It's a good game, and I that's why I want to play Titanfall Two is because everyone is saying it's good, but it's not making sales because it was pitted against you know EA's juggernaut 
in Battlefield One. Uh, why would EA yeah, I... no? What you know? Why would EA purposely do that and release two big name games like so close to each other? Um, yeah, I think it was a dumb idea. I don't think it was done with like intent of of ruining respawn. I don't know. I think, like I... EA are going to eat yeah. most of the costs from it. I don't know. Um, I think respawn are going to make their money through EA, sort of regardless. Um, I don't think they would have had a huge amount riding on the sales of the game itself. That comes down to the publisher. Um, but, like, yeah, they, they certainly threw them under the bus. Like, uh, their marketing towards it was... Uh, there was that whole sort of, like, spat on Twitter as well between Respawn and EA. Um, I think there's clearly some sort of division um, between the two. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I think EA kind of had a more sort of aggressive... Um, campaign, I guess, against Call of Duty. They kind of wanted to get these two shooters like r- out on the market at the time. Um, I think they've said as well that they consider them to be quite different properties, and to that I agree. Like Battlefield One is a more sort of realistic, um, historically sort of based shooter, whereas Titanfall is your sort of futuristic, more arcade kind of shooter. Um, so I think they kind of appealed to different audiences. Um, maybe there was more overlap than they perhaps predicted, because uh, I think Battlefield One certainly appealed to a wider. Um, demographic of gamers than it has in the past. Um, so, yeah, like, I think I think it was a strategic error to release time for when they did. Um, but, yeah, like, it's really disappointing to see. I've, I've been playing a fair amount of Titanfall. I absolutely love the game. I think the, the campaign is exceptional. I really think it is. Um, I'm be- becoming more and more enthralled with it the more and more I play it, but I, yeah, I'm yet to finish it. Um, and Watch Dogs 2 is like really caught my eye as well. I, I, I totally agree with you, Matt. First game was horrendous. Um, the driving especially was totally abysmal. Like it was just a game that failed to kind of deliver on its potential in a big, big way. Um, but Watch Dogs 2 looks like a really kind of different change of direction. Like it looks a lot of fun. Um, and from all accounts, especially Shannon, who's been uh, really singing its praises, it's, uh, it sounds like a really good game and one I would enjoy. Um so I think, yeah, I'm with you. I think I'll probably be picking up Watch Dogs 2 when this target sale swings around. Um, it's just kind of fallen by the wayside while I've been trying to play other games. I've still barely played any Battlefield 1, and that kind of upsets me. Um, but yeah, like, it's kind of interesting to see. I, I, w- I wanted to get your opinion on on one statement that came out so recently as well. Um, in regards to the sort of... Uh, poor sales of the game, uh, EA gave a statement, I think it was even just this morning, uh, saying that they expect these games to kind of sell better in the back end, uh, sort of like, you know, a week or two after its release, uh, then, sorry, sorry, Ubisoft was saying this about Watch Dogs 2, my apologies, Ubisoft was saying about Watch Dogs 2 that they expect it to sell better like two or three weeks after launch, uh, when like word of mouth is kind of kicked in and people start paying attention to reviews and whatnot. Um, do you think that's do you think that's right? Do you think this game is going to do better, sort of long term, than it is kind of at launch? Uh, I I don't believe it will. No, um, no. Uh, we had this we had this discussion at PAX. You know, there was even our um or well, Shannon's panel on it in regards to you know the future of reviews and stuff. I mean, like yeah. you've got influencers versus reviews, and of course the influencers are going to you know be able to convince people to go out and do it. But a lot of the influencers at this stage are more stuck on like you know you've literally just come out against Pokemon. You know, Pokemon is is kind of like the the draw card here. Um, mm. you know, like mm. later down the track, you know, when they're in, when it's in the bargain bin or when it's half price, of course, people are going to go, oh yeah, then, you know, then we can get it. But by then, 
Um, you know, not enough units have been shipping in between publisher and retailer. Um, I, I really don't think like leaving it, leaving it up to, oh, you know, people will buy it in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, like, yes, we've got the big Christmas season coming up and everyone's, you know, looking to see what, you know, what the Christmas presents are, um, and everything. But I honestly don't think that they will do as well as they are anticipating, um, mm. purely because a, there's so many games on the market that have been, you know, sort of rate getting rave reviews as of late. Um, and anyone who, you know, like you and me are coming off kind of that uni or school, um, you know, the, the madness. And now we've got, suddenly got free time and disposable income. Um, I think they'll be picking Yay, up disposable income. <laughs> yeah. I think they'll be picking up the, you know, the bigger titles, the other ones first, and then going after, you know, like these when they're either, yeah, in the clearance bins or in the, in the pre-owned bins. So, um, and this is, this is also kind of going off what I've seen again, working in a games retail environment is mm. you kind of see these games that come out and get really good reviews, but they get bypassed for the big name titles. Like everyone wants Battlefield, everyone wants COD, uh, everyone wants Pokemon and they're all kind of ignoring, um, you know, ignoring watchdogs, even though it'll get half decent reviews. People will go, well, look, I wasn't impressed by the first one. Uh, yeah. you know, the, the reviews might be good for it, but I want to play all the other games first. So, mm. yeah. And I suppose that's kind of where cult classics emerge from. I'm, uh, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you partially. I like, I think uh, this is where the kind of real test of influences, I guess, and their marketing potential, if you like, kind of really uh, is going to be judged, I feel. Um, because, you know, if a game kind of comes out and is reviewed at launch, and it kind of sells softly, but then kind of we see this kind of surge in interest kind of a week or two or three weeks after launch. I think a lot of credit is owed to influencers. Like, it's people kind of seeing people go hands-on with the game, talking about the game on podcasts or on Twitch streams or whatever, um, and people sort of, you know, gravitating towards those opinions and listening to them, and then going in store uh, and seeing it there, they go, oh, you know, that, you know, that person I admire on Twitch uh, gave that quite a favorable, yeah, sort of, op-ed or discussion or whatever uh, and uh, and then they'll go and pick it up um so i reckon like it could it could work to their benefit um i, I think this is kind of like what bethesda are really sort of counting on is um that sort of influencer buzz i suppose and that sort of word of mouth potential there um that sort of opinion leader if you like um but yeah like i, I think it's quite quite interesting that the problem i i think titanfall like is an exception because it's not picked up at all uh and it's now like, yeah getting drastically reduced to try and shift units um you know that might work to to an extent of like they might sell more copies because the word of mouth on it has generally speaking been so good um but they're obviously not making the same sort of uh, the same same profit off it anymore. Um, like it's the damage is probably done. Um, so yeah, like it's it's going to be interesting, and I think it's maybe kind of uh, a nasty sort of side effect of this kind of focus on the holiday season. Because um, you do like you see these big kind of tentpole franchises. You know, you're like Call of Duty's or Pokemon, as you mentioned, Matt. Um, they come out this time of year and they sort of dominate this time of year. And you have other kind of games that are quality games trying to get a slice of the pie uh, and they just don't get a big enough chunk, um, which is kind of really sad to see because I really think Titanfall 2 uh, and from what I've personally heard, Watch Dogs 2 are good 
good games, if not great games. Um, but they may never get kind of, you know, time of day uh, compared to these sort of big temple franchises. There's, a, um, there's another one, um, Last Guardian. Um, yeah. You know, like, yeah. come on, come on. Who knows, yeah, man. there's there's so much coming out that, like, these games are going to be lost. At, you know, it's it's too, li- too little too late. You either got to release post-Christmas or a lot before the other big titles to actually get yourself a bit of a foothold. Um, mm. You know, and and like you know, I feel I feel for these games. Like you know, these are games that should be yeah. should be you know getting the sales, and they're just not. And yeah. So, do you think this is the end for Watch Dogs and Titanfall? Uh, I don't think it's the end for. Look, I think Watch Dogs will still come out. You know, like just in the green. Um, mm. You know, not not as big as the last one did. Um, but, you know, it'll come out just in the green. Titanfall, Titanfall, I'm still holding on to my theory about EA trying to kill Respawn so they can buy them. <laughs> um, you know, but like, cause, cause the whole thing is like, you know, I, <laughs> EA is the publisher of, of both, you know, Battlefield and, uh, you know, Titanfall. Why would they turn around and go, Hey, we're going to release both these games within like, what was it a week or two weeks of each other? Um, mm. You know, yeah, like, it was like the following week. Yeah, it's like I'm sorry, but you know, not even not even a company like EA is that stupid when they know <laughs> it's going to make bank. I mean, Titanfall One made bank from both you know uh, Xbox and PC significantly. You know that was mm. that was selling like crazy. Um, well, yeah, I don't I don't think it was that exceptional. So but considering was, like the position it was in, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, to give you an idea of the numbers, I'm kind of getting to the minutiae of it now, but Watch Dogs 2, uh, according to the US, sorry, the UK charts, was estimated to sell less than 80,000 copies, which is quite unbelievable considering it sold uh, 380 yeah. in its first week. Uh, the original game sold 380 in its first week. It's um, like a disparity of almost over 300,000 units in its first week. Like it's quite, that is quite a drop-off for a sequel where you really kind of need it to be selling more, um, I suppose. Like, it's, yeah, I, I really think it's a tragedy. I really do. Like, I want to see these franchises succeed. I think Watch Dogs and Titanfall are both really interesting franchises, and I think they're kind of go gonna buy gonna go by the wayside and yeah kind of be these kind of cult classics that may be revered but never quite had the sort of financial backing um which is yeah yeah i think it's, it's really a shame i just hope that people kind of hear that word of mouth and and hear people talking about the quality of these games that they do go out and and support them um but we shall see uh talking about games that are revered um the game of the year nominees have come out for the game awards in the past week we've had overwatch battlefield one Titanfall two funnily enough uncharted four and doom feature throughout a number of categories representing the best in triple a titles however there have been plenty of incredible indie games too uh nominate games include firewatch abzu inside oxen free and many many more uh nominated for the prestigious game of the year award of course are doom inside overwatch titanfall 2 again and uncharted for a thief's end matt what do you make of these nominations are there any glaring omissions or anything that doesn't deserve to be there uh trying to think through and like honestly no um i think they're i think they're pretty on on the ball with like everything that's going on this year um you know there hasn't been too much to like wow you know that isn't on the list um mm. and there isn't there isn't that much on there that you know you, you kind of look and you go oh no you shouldn't be there you know you, you kind of no no mm. you know um mm. 
yeah um no it's it's pre- yeah pretty it's a pretty sort of you know by the numbers year this year for gaming you know because everything everything that sort of has come out you know it's a fa- we knew that it was going to come out to fanfare has come out to fanfare and everything we could kind of see that was yeah pretty average then ended up being pretty average so yeah no um, man's guy so being the exception to the fanfare yeah i guess yeah but yeah. i mean like that's clearly not in the awards thing if that was like no. nominated for the awards thing you'd be going uh yeah cool who uh you know who gave sean murray the checkbook that you know is allowing him to buy the <laughs> buy the awards right now wait is sean murray i'm pretty sure he's like locked up in a cell somewhere so yeah i don't think anyone quite knows where sean murray's at, at yeah. the moment. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think they're right on the money with these game nominations. I haven't the, of of the game of the year nominees. I'm yet to play Inside, um, uh, and I but I know it's been like really really well received. Um, I I would probably want like Firewatch to have received nomination too. I think Firewatch uh, is definitely on my shortlist for game of the year. Um, but yeah, Doom, Overwatch, Titanfall two, and Uncharted, of course. Uh, all exceptional, exceptional games. Um, I think, you know, where... Overwatch, I think, has really sort of stood out to me in terms of taking the first-person first shooter formula and really sort of uh, taking it in a new direction, making it very sort of team-based, introducing those kind of mobile-like elements as well, um, and really kind of, uh, you know, kind of um, establishing this new sh- hero shooter franchise that's been kind of talked about for for a while now. Uh, so there I is, think, you know, Overwatch, it's definitely kind of the one to beat this year. Um, there sorry, is a, um, a glaring omission from the, the awards and I'm really disappointed. What's, what's that? Where is uh, Farming Simulator 2017? Oh, I tell you what, mate. I know. I thought that too. This where is, is that? Highly disappointing. <laughs> it's just, it's just, everyone knows it's the game of the year. Like it's just, just goes on set. Do they like, do they have a um, a um, a category for best vaporware of the year? Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure like Last Guardian should win an award for something this year, and it's got to be like that. Um, or maybe even like you know the the Final Fantasy VII remake or Shenmue Three or whatever else was a Sony's thing last year that we were anticipating. Jeez, uh, which one? Um, God of War. Horizon. Uh, no, that was this year. I'm talking last year. Last year. Last year was when Sony oh, ticked all the like boxes. Kingdom Hearts remember? 3 so, and yeah, yeah. What was it? Yeah. Um, oh, a bunch of other Shenmue games. Shenmue three. I'm sorry, Jake. Shenmue three. Yeah. yeah. Oh jeez. Oh jeez. Um, Announcing a Kickstarter for God's sake. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like I, I think it's a really robust list. Um. The one thing that I'm gonna be like really disappointed if it doesn't happen. Like a game of the year, I feel like that could go to any of those, and I'd be kind of content with that. Um, best performance absolutely has to go to like either of the voice actors from, uh, from Firewatch, um, either Sissy Jones as Delilah or Rich Summer, uh, from, uh, as Henry, um, just like the voice performances in that game were absolutely phenomenal. Uh, and if they're not kind of recognized with awards, I'm going to be bitterly disappointed. I think Delilah probably takes it home to be honest. Um, just, it was just so convincing, but yeah. You win. 
I've done enough ranting and raving about I Overwatch, I think. <laughs> I haven't played the game, so I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, um, you should play the game, Matt. It's so special. Ewan? And you're, like a, you're a filmmaker. You appreciate the art of Ewan? storytelling. Like I have I so many really... games to play. It's not funny. I'm not going to have to start saying... You can play saying... through Firewatch in like three to four hours. I'm going to have to start saying no to the podcast <laughs> because it'd be like, where's Matt? Oh, Matt's playing all the games he's missed this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a bit like that too. I and weirdly, um, I say I'm a bit like that, and I went and played a game that was six years old. Um, that's not like a short game either. So, and you and finished it too. Like so. to and I finished it. Yeah, yeah, I really powered through it. Yeah. Tell you, I think the Xbox has got more use than it may ever have. Yeah, yeah. Now, now you With should that, go play other games you've missed out on, like Spec Ops: The Line. I've played Spec Ops: The Line. Oh. Spec Ops: The Line is great. Okay. I, I thought I maybe because you were like 12, then you didn't know it come out. So, No, no. I have uh, I got midway through a playthrough of Bioshock, so I need to finish Bioshock. Ah, oh, there you go. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, then, uh, and then I'll see what's next. Yeah. But I, yeah, there's like a bunch of games that are coming out now that I kind of want to play now. And so I got to figure out what I'm doing. I'm a mess. Yeah. I'm a mess, Matt. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Steve, show me the way. Uh, you want to go Be buy Pokemon Sun and Moon for the Nintendo That's 3DS. That, there's that too. Okay, which one do I buy? Do I buy Sun or do I buy Moon? That depends. I'm, that... I'm leaning towards Moon just because I really want a psychic orangutan. Well, that that, um, that depends because basically, like, if you like playing in an adver- in an ad- inverse world, so basically the problem. you play during the day and it's nighttime or you play yeah. at night and it's daytime. So, that would trip me up. Um, that would trip me up. Here's the thing, though. Can I not just change the date and time settings on my DS so that it inverts? Uh, yeah, I guess you could, but then it's going to just be weird. No, well, it's not. It's going to be sun when it's sun and dark when it's dark. But and I'll still be playing with a psychic orangutan. Why don't you just cop that you are playing moon and you have to play at night? <laughs> That's uh, that's the risk you take buying that, the one with the gigantic creepy bat on the cover. See, when I first read that, like that was a thing, I was like, ah, oh, I can survive. Although that wouldn't annoy me. But then the more and more I thought about, it, I'm like, yeah, it would a hundred percent annoy me. Or because but I really want a psychic orangutan. Because now that uni's finished, maybe you should just be nocturnal and play during maybe. the night, so it is daytime. And then your parents will be like, "Hey, Ewan, you should go get some sun." And you're like, "I am getting sun. I'm playing <laughs> at night." So and just like knocking back vitamin D tablets. Yeah, yeah. With that, let's bring an end to what was episode 79 of the Startcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes or any other podcast services of your choice. Just search the Startcast. Follow Press Start on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at PressStartAU, as well as visiting the site, of course, at PressStart.com.au. Join the conversation by tweeting us at PressStartAU using the hashtag, hashtag the Startcast. I've been your host, Ewan. You can follow me on Twitter at UNTRoxborough. Joining us today was Matthew Zamari. You went so fast then, I thought you were doing one of those uh, terms and conditions thing from an ad. I kind of have a lot to read, yeah. so I just kind of like power through it. You know what? Yeah. You should you should do that. Just like do a terms and conditions style thing when you finish a podcast, just to see if anyone can like understand what you're just saying. Just like really monotone and really quick, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Thanks for having we'll me. You can time. follow me at Twitter at MV Zamari. Um, and then if you go like find my Instagram, I post lots of pictures of cool stuff. I have this cool like black and white column going on too. So 
Yeah, let me. Yeah, know. you get really artsy with your Instagram posts. Yeah, man, so I like it. That's like my my alter ego, and then I've got a yeah. second Instagram which is an alter alter ego. So y- you kind of give me like a better kind of uh, connection to Melbourne, I guess. Like you kind of make Melbourne look quite nice and picturesque. Yeah, it's all the and filters. at times it is, but at times it isn't. But it's, you you know you find a way. It's all those filters. You know, when, when <laughs> Melbourne's filters. not trying to kill us with, uh, you know, thunderstorm uh, asthma, so... It was literally raining, exploding pollen. Yeah, that's, you know, that's Melbourne for you. One minute's 38 yeah. degrees, the next minute it's 14 and deadly. I love how this podcast came full circle. Yeah. Woo! We've nailed it, Matt. We are podcast experts. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh... See you next time, guys. Bye. Happy gaming. <laughs>